Well, what about you? Can you handle the truth? The spirit of our age is such that truth is under attack. I think you'll all agree with me that the ethos of our age is characterized by people who can't handle the truth, who actually are making up their own truth. Truth around us, as defined by our culture, is transient. It's not fixed. It's localized, not universal. It's time-sensitive, not really timeless. Truth is subjective, not really objective. Truth is whatever you want it to be, not absolute. In fact, you all are familiar with the statements or conversations that go something like that. Is that true for you? Because it's not true for me. But whatever is true for you, I'm cool with that. Not absolute, with one exception. You must accept the absolute that nothing is absolute. Which crumbles like a house of cards in terms of logic, since if there is no truth, you have no logical capacity to convince me there is no truth. Therefore, the no truth statement has to enjoy the same privilege of being not true. So, can you handle the truth? Alan Bloom's book, The Closing of the American Mind, surveys the highest values of the average university campus. The highest value statement of the average university campus, as he discovered, is this. The relativity of truth is the condition of a free society. In other words, to believe in truth or absolute truth is to be an enemy of freedom. Relativity, by the way, eliminates the freedom to believe something is true. Do you understand that? And our addiction to open-mindedness eliminates most options to believe anything absolutely. And here's the big problem. If you can't handle the truth, you can't come to Father God. Let's pray. Father, this morning as we pause to open your word and to spend time considering the nature of truth, in particular, the nature of Jesus Christ, and more importantly, the nature of Jesus Christ. I pray, Father, that you would help us to put aside all our preconceived opinions and the ideas in the marketplace of our culture that so pervade our thinking. And consider for a moment the claims of Christ, and in particular the claim about truth, as it measures up with the nature and reality of a relationship with God the Father. Lord, I, I pray this morning that the Holy Spirit of God, whose, whose responsibility and role it is to, to shine a searchlight and focus on Christ, that he might be magnified and 
honored and glorified. That, Father, he may be free to do his work among us and in our hearts. And I pray, Lord, that um, we will engage in what you have from your word for us this morning. For ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Growing out of a question that was asked of Jesus by a disciple named Thomas, which was, how do we know the way to the Father? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus himself declared that I am the truth. You know, if um, after the service I were to say to you, uh, how do I get to your house? You would say to me, um, well, you know what? Any way that works for you is fine with me. It really doesn't matter. Whatever is good for you is good for me. And I'm saying, wait a second. I don't know how to get to your house. And you'd say, well, no, no there's really no, uh, there's no, no need to get serious about absolute truth and all of that. Just whatever works for you is going to be fine with me. I'm not likely to find your house. That's the nature of the ethos or the spirit of the culture we live in. But Jesus made this very, very declarative statement in John chapter 14, verse 6. I am the truth. Presumably, he stated this to tell them that he was going to enable them to know the way to the Father's place. Now, um, the first thing that's important is we, we need to actually deal with the statement that Christ has made. Now, you can explain truth away if you choose, but the first implication of explaining away absolute truth as declared by Christ is that Jesus Christ, the Messiah of the Scriptures, would have to be a liar. That's the first implication to stating that there is no absolute truth. But I want to go on this morning, and um, since he has made that statement, I want to look at five further implications with you based on what Jesus has said. That I am the truth. No one comes to the Father except through me. The first implication is this. There is truth. There is truth. It's a major assertion by Jesus Christ himself. He doesn't say just that he is true, in other words, real. He is saying that he is the truth, which is a quality statement as well as a statement of reality. He is saying, I am the one who is faithful. I am sincere. Uh, I am the one they speak of as with veracity. That the statement he's making is one of quality. There is truth and Jesus is it. The truth, by the way, comes from outside of this world. If your Bibles are open at John chapter 14, turn over a couple of chapters to John chapter 18. I want to point out to you that in verse 36, in his trial before Pilate, Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jews. But now my kingdom is from another place. Jesus himself has stated that He is the truth and this truth comes from outside of our world. Therefore, it is not man-made. It is not shaped or changed by man or the whim of man. It is not a truth for you and one for me. It is the truth. That's how he's defined it. A truth for everybody. Unchanging. Absolute. 
In fact, the highly valued proposition that floats around not only in our university campuses, but in our workplaces and in the marketplace as well, that there is no absolute truth, is in direct opposition to the claim of Christ. Do you understand that? We need to know what is at stake here and in uh, how the mind is being shaped by the culture that we live in. To state that there is no absolute truth is in direct opposition to the claim of Jesus Christ. Which, by the way, immediately jeopardizes any possibility of knowing the way to the Father God. There are significant implications to the issue of absolute truth. Jesus Christ says, I am the truth, and links it to finding the way to the Father's place. So it's not possible for someone to say, I want to go to be with God in heaven, but I don't believe in absolute truth. They are in contradistinction to each other. Now, by the way, this um, holding to absolute truth raises the ire of the culture around us, and you will be persecuted as intolerant. We are required to tolerate everything but absolute truth. Which, by the way, seems intolerant to me. Doesn't it to you? Secondly, in what way is Jesus the truth? He says there is truth. Now, what, in what way is he the truth? By saying that he is the truth, he places himself in a very lofty company indeed. He says, I am the truth. Now, I want you to turn in your Bibles back with me to Psalm chapter 31 and verse 5. There's another claim to truth that is found in the Old Testament scriptures in Psalm 31 verse 5. Into your hands I commit my spirit. You've heard that terminology before used by Christ at the cross. Redeem me, O Lord, the God of truth. The God of the Bible is identified for us as the God of truth or the truth God. In Isaiah 45, verse 19, God himself speaking through the prophet Isaiah says this, I have not spoken in secret from somewhere in a land of darkness. I have not said to Jacob's descendants, seek me in vain. I, the Lord... Capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, Jehovah God, speak the truth. I declare what is right. When Jesus Christ proclaims himself the I am the truth, he is in fact making a statement of his divinity. What you can't see in your English translation, but you would see if you looked at the original language, is that there is a word order disruption in the statement that Jesus makes. The usual word order is changed to highlight the I am of the statement, the ego emi, the I am. It is highlighted for us in a highly unusual way when Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth. He is declaring himself very divine, the, the true God of the universe. When Moses was asking the Lord Jehovah uh, what he should uh, call him and who he should tell the Pharaoh sent him, do you remember how God responded to him? Tell him that 
I am has sent you, the one who exists. Jesus Christ is making this kind of connection when he states, I am the truth. Truth is from God. That's why when the evangelist, John, uh, writes his gospel in describing uh, Jesus Christ in the very first chapter, describes him as full of truth. In John chapter 1, verse 14, you've no doubt encountered it many times before, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus is full of truth because he is the word, the logos of God, the God of truth, the truth God. God's word is truth. And Jesus Christ is the physical expression of divine truth. He is the incarnation And as the incarnation of God, he is the ultimate truth reality. Jesus, by the way, was authorized by God the Father to bring truth from heaven to earth. In fact, authorized alone to bring that truth. In John chapter 7, verse 28, John captures again this reality. Then Jesus, still teaching in the temple courts, cried out, Yes, you know me. And you know where I am from. I am not here on my own, but he who sent me is true. You do not know him, but I know him because I am from him and he sent me. Jesus alone is the one who is authorized by God the Father to bring the truth from heaven to earth. D.A. Carson puts it this way, Jesus is the way to God precisely because he is the truth of God. He couldn't be the way if he wasn't the truth. He is the truth because he is the supreme revelation of God. That's what John writes in John 1.18. Now listen to this. To deny Jesus is to reject the truth and eliminate the possibility of coming to the Father. This is such an important reality, especially as we live in a marketplace of people who claim to believe in God. But they, at the same time, entertain the ideas of a relativistic truth, that there is no absolute truth. And especially in the context whereby they ignore or put to the side Jesus Christ. The simple truth is that it is impossible to, if you deny Jesus, it is to reject the truth. And it is to eliminate any possibility of having a relationship with God the Father. You cannot deny absolute truth, therefore... And go to heaven too. Now, in complete contrast to the relativistic values of our cultural elite, when Jesus claimed that he is the truth, he also said, you will know the truth. In John chapter 8, verse 32, right? He said, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So the third implication is that truth can be known. You hear it said around you. Well, you know, in the discussions of truth, how do you know? I'm not sure you can really know what is true. Jesus Christ asserts by saying, I am the truth. 
and that you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. He is declaring that truth can be known. That's an important statement. In John chapter 18, when Jesus Christ was being interrogated by Pilate, on trial for his life, and Pilate was trying to understand the identity of Jesus, asking questions like, are you a king? What are you? Why are you? I I don't get it. I don't understand what the big deal is here. There are any number of ways that Jesus could have chosen to highlight his identity, to shine the searchlight on, on what he considered the paramount description of himself. He, he could have uh, attempted to escape from the trial of his life. But the statement that he made is fascinating because in John 18, verse 37, he answer, Pilate says to him, you are a king then. And Jesus answered, you are right in saying I am a king. In fact, for this reason I was born and for this I came into the world to testify to the truth. Of all the things Jesus could have highlighted about himself in this very, very crucial moment, a life and death trial moment, he chose the issue of truth as being paramount. That truth can be known. The reason I was born, Jesus says, the reason that I came into this world from heaven was to make truth known. Not to be an itinerant preacher. Not to be a man of peace. Not to be a radical change agent. Not to be just some sort of nice prophet. But Jesus came from heaven to earth to tell the truth. In Jeremiah, by the way, 31-34, that's what the prophet Jeremiah prophesied would be the case. He said, and there is coming a time when people won't say, do you, do you know him? Do you know God? How do you know God? It says there in Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 31, they will all know me. That's why at the Mount of Transfiguration, in Mark chapter 9, verse 7, it says there, there was a voice from heaven that said, This is my beloved son. Listen to him. Now, what is at stake? Jesus, the father states, is God's truth from heaven. How important is this reality? How important is this truth? Well, in fact, you can't worship Father God without truth. Because it says that those who would worship him would worship him in spirit and in truth. It is impossible for you to be set free from your selfishness and your sinfulness. Except for truth. Because Jesus Christ said you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. The gospel truth will set you free from your selfishness and your sinfulness. It is impossible for you to have eternal life without this truth. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 10, it says they all perish because they refused to love the truth and so be saved. 
it is impossible to love God. In fact, in John chapter 14, the same text where Jesus declares himself the truth, it says in verse 15, if you love me, you will obey what I command. It is impossible to love God unless you love the truth, unless you obey the truth. And finally, it's impossible to get to the Father's place. It is impossible to get to heaven. Because Jesus Christ said, I am the truth. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus also said something very, very significant in John chapter 18 with respect to truth as well. In verse 37, he goes on to say, I came into this world to testify to the truth. Do you realize, fourthly, that Jesus is the key witness to truth? He came to testify to truth. In the theater of the ageless courtroom, whereby all of humanity has placed God on trial as if humanity has any right to do such a thing. Declaring that God must prove himself. God must prove his existence. God must prove the truth. Jesus Christ says that he is the key witness to that truth. Now in the courtroom, the human courtroom, a trial is called. There's also witnesses that are summoned. And those witnesses, at least in American TV courtroom programs, swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, right? I don't know what we do in Canada. I never see any Canadian courtroom programs. Jesus Christ is stating to Pilate, I came from heaven to earth to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. I, I am the key witness that God the Father has called in the courtroom of the ages. Now, by the way, it is humanity that's actually on trial. And Jesus declares in John chapter 3, verse 19, this is the verdict. By the way, that word verdict is a judicial word. It's a courtroom judgment word. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but men love darkness instead of the light. That fully explains why truth is on trial. Mankind doesn't want truth. They put it on trial. They've redefined it. What's true for you is not necessarily true for me. What's true here is not necessarily true there. This is the verdict, Jesus said. This is the, the way it is. Light has come into the world. Truth has come to the world, but men preferred darkness rather than the light. Now, by the way, there is no one else to tell you the truth about being right with the Father. Do you understand that? When Jesus makes this declaration that he is the truth and that he has come to testify to the truth, there is no one else able to tell the truth about being right with the Father. If one fails to accept the testimony of Jesus as the truth, that one rejects the truthfulness of God. There's one final Implication that I want to highlight this morning. At this trial, just before the crucifixion, Pilate, um, the relativist, the postmodern before postmodernity, 
asks Jesus the question, and you know this question, what is truth? Now, it's impossible for us to to understand um, or get inside of the emotions or motivation or head of Pilate to, to try and understand why did he ask that question? What was his intention? Was he just being cynical? Was he jaded? As he looked around at the the anarchy around him and the foolishness of this trial. I mean, after all, there's really nothing wrong with someone telling the truth. And yet there's this mob, this angry mob wanting to kill him. Was, was Pilate just simply cynical and jaded about truth? Or, or was he mocking the sincerity of Jesus Christ when he asked the question? Or was he... Sincere himself. Was he really interested in the truth? Was he wondering if truth is really relativistic? Or if truth is absolute? Or could a person really know the truth? Possibly. And maybe that kind of thinking is represented in this room this morning. You've heard everything to this point, but you're still saying, what is truth? Is it really possible to know the truth? Because if it's possible to know the truth, I'd really like to know the truth. Jesus makes this statement at the very end of the verse 37. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. If a person really wants to know the truth, that person will give attention to Jesus. That's what he said to Pilate. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me, Pilate. I'm the real thing. If you are serious about knowing the real thing, if you are serious about knowing truth, then listen to me. The postmodern, closed-minded relativists want freedom to make their own truth. You know why? Which, by the way, is no truth at all. You know why? Because truth is, um, truth is sometimes uncomfortable. Truth uh, makes demands. Truth holds up before us a, a standard by which we measure ourselves. The truth that Jesus talked about setting people free sets people free from their selfishness and their sinfulness. And for the most part, the people around us, and possibly some people even in this room, do not want to abandon their selfishness. And they don't really want to abandon their sinfulness. And Jesus is making the point then, maybe you're not really on the side of truth at all. Maybe you don't really even want to know truth because real truth Jesus says will set you free but it's a freedom from your selfishness and your sinfulness that you might come to the father in heaven so if you want real truth Jesus says, then listen to me. He left heaven to enter our world to find people 
who wanted to know the truth. Paying no attention to Jesus, by the way, puts you outside of of the Father. It puts you outside of the way to the Father. It puts you outside of the life that the Father wants to give. Anybody around you, or even you, who says you want the truth, but you don't want Jesus, you're kidding yourself. They're kidding themselves. Everyone on the side of truth listens to Jesus. That's why Jesus um, said to the disciples as he was sending them out to witness to the things of the truth. Sending them out house to house. He said to them, go to the place where the, the man of peace is, who will welcome you in. And stay there. If he doesn't welcome you, shake the dust off your feet and go to the next place. Why? Because there are those people, and they are represented many times over in here, who want the truth. And they listen to Jesus. And they receive the truth. Listening to Jesus makes you a truth-sider and brings you to the Father in heaven. Our Father, this morning we have uh, put forth the declaration that Jesus Christ has made of himself. Jesus says, I am the truth. No one comes to the Father except through me. Lord, um, you yourself have said that anyone who really wants to know the truth is on the side of truth, listens to Jesus. You say that your sheep, they know your voice, they hear your voice, and they follow you, they don't follow another voice. Father, I pray that in this room this morning, It would be filled with people whose ears long for the truth, evidenced by the fact that they listen to Jesus. Thank you for the truth. Thank you for telling us the truth. Thank you for sending Jesus Christ, your beloved Son, to tell us the truth that we might know the way to the Father. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. I find it fascinating that in this significant trial time in Jesus' life, as he stood before Pilate and ultimately made declarations that uh, have survived and been in the ears of people for thousands, several thousand years, that he declared himself a king, but a very different king. When I think of a king, I think of a king who, who lords it over people and, and tells them they must do that or tells them that they must do this, that they must follow this way, they must go that way. But Jesus' recruitment into his kingdom wasn't like that. He said, I am a king who comes to tell people the truth. The major recruitment methodology of Jesus Christ into his kingdom 
is to simply tell people the truth. And those who are interested in knowing the truth, listen to them and embrace it. Jesus here describes who he is and what he does. And he invites all of us into that same relationship with him that we are invited to be people of truth who live truthfully. We um, practice truth Jesus' way. So the invitation is extended to come into the kingdom of Christ. He recruits you on the basis of your welcoming his truth. That he came to this world to take upon himself your sinfulness, go to a cross and pay the price that you should have paid as your substitute. That by trusting in his death on your behalf and seeking forgiveness, you could be forgiven and have a relationship with God the Father. I am the way, he says. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I would encourage you to have ears that listen to Jesus. It's evidence that you're on the side of truth. Tonight, I want to invite you to come back and and share testimonies with one another about the truth that's happening in your life. How you are demonstrating how you are experiencing the reality of the truth of Christ, that it is true in your life, that what he says is taking place in your life. I would encourage you to come back tonight. We'll, we'll share around some testimony and some text from God's word uh, about truth. Father, um, thank you for the invitation. It is open to everyone here. Those on the side of truth listen to Jesus. Father, help us to reject the spirit of the culture that wants to undermine the whole idea of truth so that people can't find their way to the Father. It is a satanic principle. Jesus says there is truth. Jesus is the truth. Thank you, Father, for your love for us demonstrated in Christ Jesus, who came to be the key witness to truth from heaven. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.